Well, 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 well. Good morning. Thank you guys. Take your seats. Sit down. Get comfortable. How you guys doing this morning? You well? You know, uh, girl cruise next Friday night, men, uh, men of the house. Uh, I don't know if you guys have noticed, obviously if you're a man and you're still breathing, you probably work this out, uh, but football season has started. Have you, are you guys aware of that? So uh, if, you, if you're into football, if you're a man and you like football, uh, be a smart husband. Uh, send your wife to girl crew next Friday night. She's going to have a great time, but most importantly, because you get a free pass to go and watch football. Uh, so if your football is round ball, weird shaped ball in Victoria, and we, we don't really care. We, we, we love you guys no matter what you're into. And so I uh, encourage you guys, send your wives to Girl Crew and, uh, and get yourselves a free pass. Um, this morning, I just really quickly before I get started, I want to honour someone this morning. Uh, <laughs> you know there's some people in church life that do a lot and sometimes we see some people and we don't see others. And... There are a few select individuals that actually uh, contribute so much to what we do, not just on the stage, but also behind the scenes. Um, and one of the guys that is, is such an inspiration for me, and I just want to honour him this morning, is, is Pete Smith. Pete, can you stand this morning? Come on, let's give him a round of applause. The, uh, <laughs> come on. The thing about... This guy, which it really inspires me as a, as a young man, is uh, Pete is, is on the band. Uh, he works full-time. He doesn't work here at the church. Uh, but he, he's not just here some weeks. He's here pretty much every week. And when we're sleeping at 6.30 in the morning, uh, he's here doing a sound check. And he's got four kids, and he's here week in, week out, and he's here for every event. He's here for Easter. He's singing at Christmas time. And it's just it's amazing to see... The, the longevity uh, in your life. And so I just want to honour you this morning for, for being a man of God and being a father in the house. And, uh, and we love you. So come on, let's, let's show him some love. Well, as, uh, as Pastor Kay said, this morning we're starting our theme for April, which is called uh, Red Letters. And we really want to encourage you guys to bring your Bible along. Uh, this actually is, well, it's my Bible now, but it wasn't originally. I stole it off my brother-in-law. Um, his name's Darcy, so if you, if you listen to the podcast, Darcy, congratulations from uh, graduating school in, in 2013. Uh, and so whatever you, do, whatever you do to get a Bible, uh, we encourage you guys to, to bring it along. Um, I didn't authorise that, but you, that's, up to you, that's up to you and God, right? And, uh, but bring it along with you. And uh, as, a, as a community, we believe that it's important to actually... Uh, unplug from the technology every now and then and actually sit down and, and read the Word of God in one of these old-fashioned books. And so encourage you guys to, to bring it along. And the reason that we actually do this, the reason that we, we run this theme is because when we, when we read the words of Jesus, when we read the red letters that Jesus spoke, it holds a, a really high value to how we live our lives. In fact, theologically, it holds the highest value as to how we understand and interpret Scripture. And so you find these big passages of red text, and we're going to look at it over the next month. And, and obviously, the, the publishers understand they've gone to this specific effort of highlighting it to make it easier for you and I uh, to read it. Now, uh, 
there's a verse in, in Matthew 28, Matthew 28, 19. And just to put some context to it, uh, Jesus has been assassinated, he's been crucified, he's come back to life and he's giving his final pieces of instruction to his disciples. Uh, and he says this, he says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, just as we did last Sunday, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. So here we are as a church in April 2018, 2,000 odd years past when Jesus spoke this, and our role as a church is to disciple the nation of Australia as well as making disciples in the nation of Australia, and as we do that, to teach and educate both people and institutions in the ways of God. So at City Point, we, we call this influencing the world for good and for God. So we pray more than anything this month that you'll be encouraged and you'll be educated through the words of God to actually be an influence uh, in your environment, in your society. Uh, so why don't we pray this morning, we're going to get into it. Father, I thank you for your son Jesus and we thank you for the power and the transparency of the words that he speaks, Lord. And so we just pray this morning as we look at your red letters, when we look at the living powerful words of Jesus, that you would release a heaven to each one of us in greater measure, that you would establish your kingdom through us, that you would teach us to give us wisdom, you'd give us guidance uh, to fulfill the lives that you've called us to live. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right, if you brought your old school paper type Bible, uh, turn with me to John chapter 4. We're going to kick off here this morning. And today I want to focus on one word. One specific word that Jesus used, one concept that Jesus taught. And Jesus used this word a heap of times uh, right throughout the Gospels. You'll find it sort of married in a few hundred times through Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. And predominantly when he uses this word, it is in response to a question. Okay? Now, the thing is, the question changes. So the question is asked to Jesus in different ways. And it's asked by different people, but essentially the question that we have is always still the same. And the question this morning is, what's God actually like? I mean, what's he actually like? You know, is God, is he a good guy or is he, is he a bad guy? You know, what's he actually like? What's he, what does he cause these things? Uh, what does he actually want from me? You know, what, why are we here? How do we interact with God? What does he want? How do I relate to God? Okay, And so we find all these, these sections in Scripture where people come with their individual questions and they, work, and they word them differently, but the question's always the same and they come to Jesus and they say, what's God actually like? And so we pick up this story this morning in, in John chapter 4 and Jesus is travelling and he's travelling through a village called Samaria uh, and he stops at a well, right? So remember where 2,000 years ago and you didn't turn the tap on to get water? Uh, and so there was a well that you would have to drop down into, like drop a bucket in and pull water up, and it was obviously labour-intensive, and they're in the middle of the Middle East, so it's pretty dry, right? And so Jesus goes to a well in Samaria, he stops there, and as he arrives, he meets a lady in Samaria. And so we pick up the story in, from verse 7, and it says that a woman from Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, give me a drink. I love Jesus' manners. You know, 
It's like, hello, nice to meet you. Can you please get me a drink from the well? No, no, that just goes, hey, listen, give me a drink. Uh, straight to the point. For his disciples had gone off into the city to buy food. And the Samaritan woman asked to him, how is it that you, being a Jew, ask me, a Samaritan woman, for a drink? For Jews have nothing to do with Samaritans. So just to fill you in, there's a lot of history here we're not going to touch on, but Jewish people and Samaritans do not get along, right? And to compound the dynamic of this situation, uh, where a bit over 2,000 years ago in the Middle East, in a patriarchal society where women aren't treated as women, they're treated as objects, okay? And so it would be equivalent to what you would probably associate with current day Saudi Arabia, where women are completely clothed, you know, shawls over the head, and you don't actually talk to women, you only talk to the men. So the fact that Jesus, a Jewish man, was talking to a Samaritan woman is hugely controversial to start with, okay? And then it starts from there, and Jesus answered her and says, If you knew about God's gift of eternal life and who it is who says, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. So Jesus immediately shifts the discussion to spiritual matters. And she said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw water with and the well is deep. Where then do you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and who used to drink from it himself and his sons and his cattle? Jesus answered her, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water that I give will never be thirsty again. But the water that I give will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Then it says, the woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I will not get thirsty nor come all the way here to draw the water out. At this, Jesus said to her, go and call your husband and come back, right? And the woman answers, I do not have a husband. And Jesus said to her, you have answered correctly, I do not have a husband, for you have had five husbands, and the man that you are now living with is not your husband, and you have said this truthfully. And the woman said to him, sir, I see that you are a prophet. Okay, so Jesus says, hey, if you want this living water, he's shifted the discussion to spiritual matters. He says, go and get your husband. And she goes, Jesus, I don't have a husband. And he goes, well, you're actually telling the truth there because you don't have a husband. You've actually had five husbands and the man that you are currently living with in your house is not your husband. Okay? He's never met the woman before. He's in a village that he doesn't know and he fills a lady in on her entire history. There is no way he could have known that, right? And so the woman's response is that she goes, I perceive that you are a prophet. Okay? There is no way you could know that information about me. So the only way you could know that is if God has told you and you are a prophet. Okay, So she recognizes what's happening in the situation. And then she asks a really interesting question. Uh, in verse 20, it says, she says to Jesus, uh, Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews say that the place where one ought to worship is in Jerusalem. So she recognises that this man is speaking from God and she says, look, uh, our fathers worship here, you guys worship in Jerusalem, which one is it? Now, she doesn't want to join the music team, okay? She's not asking a question about the music, uh, but essentially she's she's not asking a question about geography, she's asking a question about relationship, okay? She's asking the question, I perceive that you are from God, What's God actually like? How do I actually encounter with God? 
And so she doesn't want to know about the worship. She doesn't want to know about the history or the geography. She goes, I perceive that you are from God. And so I want to know what's he actually like. Okay? And then Jesus replies and says, Woman, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. Uh, you Samaritans do not know what you worship, for we Jews do know what we worship, for salvation is from the Jews. But a time is coming and is already here when true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeks such people to be his worshippers. So Jesus says, look, listen, you're asking me a question about worship and about how you connect with God and how you do it. But I want to tell you that there's a time coming where you're not going to to encounter God on the mountain and you're not going to encounter God in the temple, but you're going to actually connect with him spiritually and you'll encounter him wherever you are, okay? It's not going to matter if you're sitting in church singing songs or if you're picking the kids up from school or watching the footy or if you're in the truck at work, you will encounter God wherever you are. And this is the significant part that I want to land on this morning. Jesus said to her, when this happens, okay, when you meet God, when you encounter God, uh, God is going to be like a father. What, one word. What's God actually going to be like? He's going to be like a father. So what's God like? What does he want from me? Well, he's actually a really, really good dad. Uh, now, <laughs> one of the interesting things about this is... Uh, being Aussies, and for most of us here, English is our first language, uh, and we tend to have one word that has many meanings, right? Uh, especially in Australia, because everybody says, how you going, and we're going good. So good could mean I had a great week. Uh, it could mean I had a terrible week, I just don't want to tell you, and so we just tell everybody that we had a good week, right? You understand? Uh, we use the word love. Uh, I love my coffee in the morning. Love. I love my wife. Uh, I love my mother-in-law in a very different way, okay? (laughs) Right? The word love, one word, it has many different meanings because my mother-in-law and my wife are two very different people, okay? So in in English, this is how we approach these things. One word can mean a whole bunch of stuff. Now, Jesus is Jewish, okay, and he speaks Hebrew, and instead of having one word for love, they've got a heap of them, right? right? To describe all the different specific types of relationships. So when Jesus says... God is like a father, he had a whole bunch of terms that he could have chosen from, right? He's got about 15 or 16 different names that he could have used. He could have said, when you meet God, he'll be like the God who saves. Or he could be like the God who provides uh, or or the God that's with you. He could have picked a whole bunch of names, right? But he specifically chose to use the word father. And so Jesus shifts our perspective of what God's actually like, and he shifts the perspective of how we view life and how we view the situations that we find ourselves in. You know, is God a, is God a good guy or a bad guy? Well, you know, if you look at someone that's a good father, how do they treat their children? You know, fathers love their children. They want the best for their kids. What's God like? He actually loves you. He's not a bad guy. Uh, what does God want from me? Well, you know, more than, more than most things, uh, with my kids, I want to spend time with them. 
Like, I'm not looking to try and get anything out of my kids. I'm, I'm raising my kids. And so for me, the joy is in actually spending time with them. What does God, what does God want from you? You know, do you, people think, <laughs> people always have a laugh and they go, oh, the church just wants your money. And I'm like, well, not necessarily because it says here that God's like a father and I don't ask my kids for any money. Who knows? They're always asking me for money. Okay? God doesn't want your money. God wants you. Uh, <laughs> Is God upset with my mistakes? You know, people think that God is upset with them. God is angry at them because of what they've done. Uh, I don't think that way about my kids who I love, you know. They can do stuff and they can upset me. But at the end of the day, if there's things going on in their life that maybe isn't going the way they want it to, uh, I'm a dad that wants to support my kids. And so is God upset with us? Not really. He's a father that wants to support you when things are going well. Uh, If we're going to understand what God's like, we have to start thinking like sons and daughters. Now, this raises a, a question which I feel is important for me to highlight for, for at least some people here because I believe there's some people here this morning that are in this situation. And you're hearing that God is a good God. And then you're also thinking about your father and there's a disparity between the two, right? And, and this is me. I... I love my dad, but there's an image of a good father that we read about in the Bible, a good God who's generous and gracious and kind, and, and my experience doesn't match up with what the Bible says. And I really believe that for people here this morning that are in this situation, God wants to, God wants to fill the gap, okay? If a good father is generous and you've never experienced generosity, I believe this morning that God wants to fill the gap. The gap between what you're experiencing and what you would expect from a good father, this morning God wants to encounter you and he wants to fill the difference between what you've experienced and what he has planned for you. So this morning I want to quickly run through uh, three points on characteristics of good fathers. Uh, So number one, (laughs) good fathers are protective. Now, I mentioned this in, in the first service, but the story just kind of came into my head. I'd, I'd actually completely forgotten about this, but uh, I have three kids. Uh, I've got two, okay, that are currently downstairs and one that is about 20 weeks old, uh, currently in the front row. So my wife says that that's three. I'm not going to argue with her. So I have three kids, uh, a five-year-old and a three-year-old, and I haven't really had to exercise my protection over my kids yet. You know, like they're still pretty young. There's been a few scuffles in playgrounds, but I haven't really had to lay down the law, you know, with anybody regarding my kids. But I did get the opportunity about six years ago uh, with my sister-in-law, okay? And my wife and I, uh, we, I have a background in mining, and so I worked in central Queensland. We'd been out there for about five years. And my sister-in-law, who was 16 at the time, she needed somewhere to stay, and she moved in with us, Right? And much like my wife, she's, uh, she's got good-looking jeans. And uh, central Queensland does not necessarily have an abundance of beautiful women. So, it's, hey, look, don't argue with me. I live there. I, t- I found a wife on the Sunshine Coast in Noosa and took her to central Queensland. So, how, <laughs> how lucky am I? Anyway, so in the middle of a mining village... My really lovely, <laughs> yeah, just be glad you live here, not up there. Anyway, um, my wife, look, it's a lovely place. Uh, my, my sister-in-law moves to town, right? And one of the things that 
not many people know about me is when I was younger, uh, I had a few hobbies. And one of the things that I really, really actually enjoyed, now I wasn't any good at it, just to point it out, one of the things that I really enjoyed was mixed martial arts, okay? So, is anyone here watch UFC? They like to watch grown men bash each other. Yeah, there's a few, there's a few of us, right? Anyway, so I really like mixed martial arts. Now, I'm not, I'm not incredibly quick, I'm not overly dynamic, but I'm pretty tall and I've got, a lot, I've got good reach, right? So it kind of lends me to be not a bad kickboxer, and so I spent a few years learning, uh, learning Thai boxing. And when we moved to central Queensland, I'd started learning jiu-jitsu because it's really interesting and technical. And so I was learning jiu-jitsu just with a bunch of random guys uh, in Emerald. And, you know, great group of friends. And at the same time that my sister-in-law had moved to town, there was a bunch of young guys that I trained with and kind of hung around with. And I said to one of them one time, I'm like, I don't know why, I was just talking garbage in the gym one day, and I said, you know, look, if anybody ever goes near my sister-in-law, I'm going to smash them. You know? And I've never gotten a fight. Like, I, you know what I mean? I, I, I'm interested in this stuff, but I'm not any good at it. So I'm like, I'm, I'm never going to get in a fight. Anyway, about two weeks later, a uh, friend has a birthday party, and, and my sister-in-law goes to the party. And this lovely young guy, right, thinks she's new to town. I'll be friendly. And so he starts to go and, you know, start talking to her and they're sitting on the steps of this person's house at this party having a conversation. And one of the guys from my gym walks out there and goes, listen, I don't know who you are, but I've met Sensei Dave and if you do anything to his, to his sister-in-law, he's going to smash you. He, he's going to come out. And I, look, I, don't, I don't know, even know where the name came from, but this young guy's like, yeah, Sensei Dave. And, uh, and, and he, you know, you need to watch out. And so... I'm not an aggressive person, right? But we had this guy around for dinner, and lovely, lo lovely young guy, and the dude is freaking out, right? <laughs> he, he's, he's, at the, he's at the dinner table, right? He, he's sweating, like he's sweating out of his palms. It, halfway through the meal, he, he's got like a, a little beard, and halfway through the meal, he got like a bit of food caught in his beard. And I was like, hey, bro, you've got, just got some stuff on your face. And he was like, oh, oh. Like he was so embarrassed. Now, that was really awesome for me. I hope one day I get to do it for my daughter, but the point is, <laughs> woo! Yeah, you've got 15 years anyway, so we'll start, we'll start talking about that later. Anyway, my point is, good fathers are protective, yeah? yeah. Uh, there, there's a verse in, in Matthew chapter 4, I think it's kind of funny, and God has, God's led his son, who he loves, Jesus, into the desert to be tempted by the devil, Right? It doesn't sound like the kind of thing you would do to your son if you loved him. But God knew that Jesus could withstand any temptation that came. He never put Jesus in a place of harm, okay? Nothing beyond what he could handle. And so there's this story, and it says in, in Matthew 4, it says, The devil took Jesus up to a holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God... Throw yourself down, for it is written, he shall give his angels charge over you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. And Jesus said to him, it is written, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. I think this is really interesting, because first of all, God's never going to put his son in a place where he knows he's going to fail. He only lets him go to the desert because he knows that he can withstand it. And when he gets there, the devil actually says to him, look, you should, you, you should do this and just jump off the pinnacle of this building because if you do, the angels are going to turn up and they're going to bear charge over you because they're not even going to let you stub your toe. Okay? So, good, good, <laughs> good fathers are protective. God is protective. 
God, Jesus, his son who he loves, he only puts him in situations that he knows he's going to succeed in, so much so that when the devil turns up, even the devil knows that he can't do anything to Jesus because God is protecting him. Okay? So no matter what situation God has put you in, he's put you in it because he knows that you can succeed. And even the devil knows that he can't do much to you because God is actually protecting you. Come on, good fathers to protect you. Woo. Number two, good fathers discipline their children. Now, I want to be really clear about this because I feel this gets misconstrued in society in some really, some really uh, unhelpful ways, right? And what we tend to do with topics like discipline is we tend to jump from a balanced perspective in the middle to one extreme or the other, okay? So we see one extreme, which is parents that go, I don't want to discipline my kids because it's difficult and it's hard and I don't want to do that. And so I think the best thing is to give them no discipline at all, right? We're just going to let them do whatever they want. Then the other side of the, the, the coin is some parents go, it's really important that they learn discipline and so I'm, I'm going to let anything happen to them. I don't care what it is. I'm going to let it happen because it's going to teach them. It's going to be good for them, right? Which is really unhealthy. And so in the middle, we need to understand that God, a good father, disciplines his children. Now, I love my children very much, but I discipline my kids for a very specific reason because I want them to learn in a safe environment that there are consequences to their actions. Okay, If we just go no discipline, we let our kids go and learn life's lessons the hard way in ways, that is actually going to, ways that's actually going to be detrimental to how they live their life. Yeah. And so I don't want that. So I want to discipline my kids when they're young. I want to teach my kids how to listen to myself and my wife so that when they're older, they'll know how to listen to their boss. Yeah. Okay? They need to learn how to listen to their teacher so that they can listen to yeah. government when they're older. So we can't bring these kids up that have no discipline and then wonder why they act up when they're in their 20s and their 30s, okay? And the flip side of the coin is we don't want to live in this way where we embrace bad things happening to our kids and go, that's discipline, okay? We need to distinguish between the two and go, okay, uh, this is bad, okay? It's not from God. Some people look at things and I hear some really weird stuff, you know, like, I, you know, I've, I've got cancer and I believe that God's using it to discipline me. And I'm like, it's not actually what the Bible says. God said that he's a really good father. So if you're sick, okay, God can use that to turn your test into a testimony, but God isn't using sickness to discipline you. And so we need to know that if something bad is happening, we don't need to call it discipline, but at the same time, we need to be disciplined in order to get into the places that God wants us to go. Uh, Matthew 5 verse 29, a really challenging verse says, if your right eye causes you to sin, pluck it out and cast it from you, for it is more profitable for you that one of your members perish than for the whole body to be cast into hell. Okay? If you've got something going on with your life, if you have something going on with your kids, sort it out now because it's better to have a small issue with one thing than to lose everything that's coming in the future. Do you know what I mean? So regardless of what situation you're in, okay, no one, no one likes discipline, you know. My kids don't like discipline and neither do we. But we need to actually understand the fact that we need to embrace discipline because God wants to get us somewhere and we've got to walk through the process that he's actually put in place for us. Uh, number three, good fathers are generous. <laughs> you know, I mentioned this 
earlier, but I feel often that there is disparity between what we experience and what a good father is actually like. Okay? And, and right throughout the Gospels in the red letters of Jesus, he paints a picture of a God that is generous. Okay? A God that wants to bless you. He wants to give you favour. He wants to give you resource. It is never... The thought is not ever in my mind that I want my kids to understand discipline by not having enough. Okay? I, I never want to do that. I, want, I always want my kids to have more than enough and for me to be able to teach them about discipline, but I never want to embrace a lack to teach them a lesson. Okay? What, one of my favourite passages in Scripture, in the whole Bible, Luke chapter 11, and it says, For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be open. If a son asks for a bread from any father among you, will you give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will you give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks you for an egg, will he give you a scorpion? If then you, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Listen, God is generous, okay? You might be in a current situation where you're wanting for something, but that is not the characteristic of God. And I want to tell you this morning that God wants to meet whatever need you have in the place this morning. God is generous. God is kind. He is everything that you would think of a good and generous father. And so I feel like we, we live in this world that wants to know what God's actually like. And most of what they've heard from the church in, in history has been maybe that God's angry or he's disinterested and he's distant. Uh, but I, I want to say this morning, Jesus never taught that. Okay? Jesus never taught that God was angry, that he was distant, that he was disinterested. So if you're facing a situation this morning and you're feeling afraid or disorientated, listen, God wants to actually be a father that protects you. Uh, If you've lost direction, if there's things in your life that you need to sort out and you don't feel you have the courage to do it, uh, God wants to motivate you and discipline you so you'll actually be able to live the life that he's called you to live. You know, if you need resource this morning, uh, God is a father who's generous with his possessions. You know, we... We celebrate Easter last week. God's greatest possession, his, his most prized asset, his son Jesus, and yet he offers him as a sacrifice on behalf of you and I. Yeah. Right? The most important thing that he had, he gave away for you. And so as we, we ask this question of what's God actually like? You know, what does he actually want from me? No matter what situation you're in this morning, God wants to connect with you. What's he actually like? He's a really, really good father. And so, (laughs) I want to pray for you this morning. I, I really feel strongly that there's this disparity for what a lot of us have experienced from our fathers and what God actually has in plan for us. You know, there's more, there's more to be had. There is so much more to life to what you and I are currently experiencing. And one day we'll go on in in the next life to experience everything that God has. But it's never going to stop me from trying to pull as much as I can from heaven into now. Okay? God wants more health. Okay? He wants more health for you. He wants more health for your body. He wants more health for your family. He wants more health for your finances. All right? 
God wants to bless you. He wants to favor you. He wants to give you more influence. He wants to build your families. He wants to build your friendships. Okay? God has more in store for you than I think we can currently imagine. And I think sometimes we get caught up in this process of discipline, but whatever God is doing to you, it's because he wants to deliver something through you. And so I just ask you to stand this morning. I, w- I want to pray for a few groups of people. Firstly, I just want to pray for people that feel that disparity, that you know that God is good, but somehow that isn't translating into your current situation. Maybe that's sickness, maybe it's family, maybe it's a restoration of relationships, but what you're experiencing right now, you know that it isn't what God had in mind for you. And so I want to pray that this morning God would fill the gap. And this is what we're going to do. We're, the team's going to worship this morning. I just encourage you during this specific time, whatever it is, whatever that disparity is between your current experience and what you know God wants to give you, as we worship this morning, I just want you to offer it up to God because I believe that God is going to encounter people this morning and he's going to start this morning to start to shift circumstances. So Father, I thank you for this, <laughs> thank you for this amazing group of people this morning. And we know that you're a good God. We know that you are a good Father that loves us. And Lord, we also right now acknowledge the disparity between where we currently might be and what you have in store for us. And in the name of Jesus, I declare breakthrough. In the name of Jesus, I declare breakthrough, healing, release of wisdom, Father, power, that we would experience everything in store that you have for us. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Encourage you this morning, whatever it is, why don't you just offer it up to God this morning because I know that He wants to meet you in this place. Come on. Won't we let until you have it all? My heart is
Come on, Father, we just thank you for what you're doing in this place this morning. We thank you that you're a good Father. And just in this moment, just in the privacy of, of worship when we have our heads bowed, I want to have an opportunity for people that have never connected with God before. You know, and Jesus, <laughs> Jesus called people, okay? He called men and women and He said, I have a plan and a, and a future for your life and I want to call you to be involved. And so I feel this morning that there are people here and maybe you never got called by your parents, but I want to say this morning that God, your Father who loves you, wants to call you this morning into a connection. He, he's calling you this morning into a relationship. And so if you've never actually made a decision that you've felt that, but you've never actually connected with God before, or maybe you've actually made that decision and you've let that relationship slide away, you've let that relationship deteriorate and you realise this morning that God is calling you back to connect with Him. I want to give you a chance to make that decision this morning. And so I'm going to ask you to raise your hand in a moment on the count of three and I just encourage you, if that's you this morning, if you feel like the Holy Spirit's calling you this morning, I just want to ask you to shoot your hand up so that I can pray with you this morning. Because God is a good Father that wants to bless you. Come on, one, He loves you. He has a plan for your future. He has a plan for your life. Two, He has no concern about the things that you've done. No matter what's happened in the past, it's in the past. Number three, he wants you to connect with you this morning. So if that's you, I just ask you to raise your hand this morning so I can pray with you. Come on, if there's anyone here this morning and you need to make that decision. Come on, let's pray this morning. Father, we thank you for every person here. We thank you that you have such a desire to connect with us, Lord. And you see our hearts, you see the situations that we're in. And we just pray that you would be at work this week to start to reveal yourself to us, Lord, to connect with us, to encounter with us. And so, Father, I pray for breakthrough for every person here. I pray for encounter, that they would meet you and you would reveal yourself as a good and loving Father in Jesus' name. Come on, let's give him a round of applause this morning. Awesome, awesome. Well, bless you guys. Uh, so